This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 100. Woo! Submission 001 Bravo. Back to show number one. The Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour Revisited. It's time for The Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour with from St. Elsewhere, Ed Begley Jr. Hollywood Squares Hour, Gene Rayburn and John Bowman. Welcome you one and all to the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. This is a marriage of two of your favorite TV games. I'll be hosting the Match Game. And a little bit later on, I'll be handling Hollywood Squares. Splendid. Darn it, Greg. You got your peanut butter in my chocolate again. Well, you got your chocolate in my peanut butter. There I did it! Third time's the charm! I finally did it! One try. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, we're using the same joke we started uh, episode one with, because darn it, we can. Well, we're going back to Match Game Hollywood Squares for episode 100, because we found out so much about the show uh, since episode one, because uh, for the most part, Buzzer only aired maybe the first three weeks? Yeah, first three weeks, because remember... When Buzzer started, they did that preview week back in February of 2019, and they didn't start regularly airing the show until October of 2019, around the time we started. So they aired episodes two through five in February of 2019 from the first week, and then they had aired weeks two and three. And when we started episode one, week three had just aired on Buzzer. No, actually, uh, week three hadn't aired yet. We only got up to week two. No, we did week three. No, it was week three because we talked about Magnificent Beard Guy and the $30,000. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, I thought we missed that. So we know a lot more about Mesh Game Hollywood Squares than we did at this time roughly a year ago. And also, uh, we didn't have one individual with us, and we we wanted to give him an opportunity to chime in with his thoughts and, and, and feelings about Mesh Game Hollywood Squares Hour. The floor is yours, Chico. Okay, so... I know how my friend Kim feels. Anyway, Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. It's one of those shows that worked 
better on paper than it did uh, in actual practice. Like, that's hard. Because the match game, yeah, the winner of the match game goes on to the Hollywood Squares, where they meet the champion of the day. And the winner of the Hollywood Squares goes on to play the Super Match. And, again, it has this strange little sort of endearing quality to it. It's like this show on paper sounds so it's unbelievable that this concept actually happened. And yet it did. Well, but it also proves that you can't keep two venerable franchises down. Cause if you remember Hollywood squares would have gone off the air like two years earlier and match game would have been off the air fall of 82. So you're talking about just over a year earlier. Again, both franchises, they're still things. I mean, Hollywood Squares had hip-hop squares and country squares, on the, and thanks Viacom for owning the, the format rights to it. Yeah, but give us a proper reboot on the soon-to-be-renamed from CBS All Access to Paramount Plus, because Tom Bergeron ain't got anything to do now that he's only going to dancing with the stars. Thanks, Tyra. Yeah, thanks, Tyra. And Match Game, well, Match Game is... The reboot of Match Game that's on ABC right now is just... Alec Baldwin, just fantastic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the writing and the casting. And I don't know if you saw the episode that aired last night, but they have the meme match now. Oh, Oh, uh, I'm going to have to watch that. Oh, I didn't watch it. I went to bed as... Yeah, after last night's episode aired. I mean, both formats still going strong today. Mm -hmm. 1983. And it's amazing how this format came together. Because if you read our good friend Adam Needif's book on Gene Rayburn, the matchless Gene Rayburn, NBC needed an hour-long game show to be like a filler in between because they were going to premiere a new soap opera sometime around 84, called Santa Barbara. Yeah, and they needed something to uh, build a time in between Another World and whatever was airing at 4 o'clock at the time. Donahue! Donahue. I was going to say, it probably went back to the affiliates at that point. Yeah. Because I know Donahue here in New York probably aired around like 4 o'clock here on Channel 4, Mm -hmm. WNBC. But Yeah. yeah, I think one of the initial ideas was to do an hour-long match game. But someone, either NBC or Goodson, decided wouldn't be a good idea to be on its own for an hour. So someone thought, why don't we just get the rights to Hollywood Squares? Okay, so, that's one way of playing the game. Yeah. So remember, at this time in 1983, the rights for Hollywood Squares... So Merrill Heater and Bob Quigley Productions sold the rights to the format to... Filmways sometime in like the 1970s, I think. Mm-hmm. And they continued to produce the show. Yep. So around like 1981, 1982, Filmways got bought out by a little vulnerable motion picture company that did some movies over at Warner Brothers, but was striking it out on its own with its own distribution deal. Orion Pictures. Orion, Orion is bankrupt now. 
and they bought out Filmways to start their Orion Television production outlet. So Mark Goodson Productions goes to Orion and is like, hey, guys, we're trying to bring back Match Game, but we have an idea. Why don't we borrow the rights to your format, Hollywood Squares, and we make it part of an hour-long show? And somebody at Orion Productions was like, that sounds completely insane, but okay. Yep, it w- and it was indeed completely insane. Yeah, but as we mentioned in episode one, you had one piece missing on this show. How would you have one piece missing? You have a host, right? Well, yes, but what makes Match Game Match Game? What makes Hollywood Squares Hollywood Squares? R- Richard Dawson, but you're not getting him because he's at Family Feud. Yeah, the writing makes both shows. Talk to uh, the greats about it. Dick DiBartolo on uh, Match Game, Bruce Valanche on Hollywood Squares. Talk to them about writing. Yeah, and talk about two of the best writers in the business. But also, I mean, you're missing a key celebrity from Hollywood Squares. In part, this was because, remember, Paul Lynn died in 1982. Yeah. Sad. Very sad. And most of the old school Hollywood Squares players... <clears throat> Talking like George Goble. Rosemary. Well, Rosemary didn't even uh, play this. George Goble supposedly had the Hollywood Squares part down because, you know, he had been doing it for ages. Ever. But the uh, problem is he wasn't good at match game because it does really take two different types of comedy. So you really didn't have a uh, set in stone star for this show. You had a bunch of, for lack of a better phrase, semi stars. Yeah, uh, so you, they, you had they, your regulars. Yeah, I mean they weren't they weren't regulars in the traditional sense. It wasn't like you had like like on Match Game you would have like Brett, Charles, and Richard all the time, or Hollywood Squares you'd have like Paul, um, Wally Cox, your Rosemarys hanging around there and about. Yeah, what's a TV show supposed to do? Hit the NBC lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This was the ultimate promotional tool, especially if you were a soap opera star uh, and even air quotes around the word star in 1983 and 84. If you were a sitcom, again, air quotes, star, you were on this show. If you were on a struggling show, you were on this show. And I mean, just if we went through the, the list of celebrities, really fast from uh, other NBC shows. So you had Tom Villard of previous installment, We Got It Made. And then you had Ed Begley Jr. of St. Elsewhere and Liker of a tweet that we did maybe about a month ago. Hi, Ed. And then you had Bonnie Urseth again from We Got It Made. You had Edie McClurg wouldn't have been on anything at NBC at that time. I don't no. know. Yeah, she w- the Hogan family would be like two, three years away. Three, yeah, four, that, that would be a number of years away. Yep. You had, oh, and this is a person who was like a regular celebrity. I mean, I, don't, uh, I haven't done the math in terms of how many episodes these folks appeared on. But you had Leonard Fry from second installment, Mr. Smith. Yes. Yeah. And of course, I, you might have had the entire cast of real people on it one time. I uh, didn't have Byron Allen at that point. Okay, they did not. They did not have Byron Allen, but they did have Skip Stevenson, Sarah Purcell, Bill Rafferty, and Mark uh, Russell. Uh, some, 
Mark, Mark Russell. Yeah, we didn't even guy. know. We didn't even know Mark Russell was on Real People. Yep. Some guy named David Ruprecht. Yes, and this is the discovery we've made since the show, because we were wondering in episode one, what the heck was David Ruprecht doing in 1984? And I don't think any of us had real people on our answer cards. No. Nope. <laughs> I was thinking, still writing for sitcoms. I don't know. I had, since he was like the boyfriend of uh, somebody on the last couple episodes of Three's Company, I figured he was promoting that. But then you have Allison Arngrim, and this would have been the last few years of Little House on the Prairie. I, I actually think Little House's last season would have just little, finished. Little House, yeah, Little House would have been finished. Pro- Little House proper would have been finished. It would finish later in 1984 with a made-for-TV movie where they blow up the entire town. Oh, jeez. Harsh, yeah. And then you had a pre-Night Court Marky Post. Mm-hmm. She would have been She would have been on, no, would she have been on The Fall Guy? Yeah, she Maybe. was Fall Guy. Yeah, she was on Fall Guy. Okay. You had personal favorite Nidra Vols who would have been wrapping up uh, a brief run on different strokes. Yeah, your mm-hmm. personal favorite. Just, just saying that. Well. Yeah, and uh, and uh, our favorite, and this is like a collective favorite, week six had the person we're going to build the statue of, McLean Stevenson. Yeah, McLean yeah. Stevenson, our, our patron saint of this podcast, McLean Stevenson. And this would have been after Kondo, because Kondo, as we said uh, not too long ago, maybe about 20 episodes ago, was uh, in mid, early to mid-1983, uh, so he yeah. was off of Kondo. Oh. Yeah, but it did help give Peter Tamarkin his hosting stint on Pressure Lock. Oh, pre- by- I would say it did. Oh, but- by the way, one thing I realized, okay, mm-hmm. who produced Kondo? Uh, that would be Witten Thomas. What other show did they do? What other show didn't they do? You're talking your soap, Benson, yes, soap. Golden okay. Girls. All right, soap. Okay. Who was the announcer on soap? Rod, Rod, Rod Roddy. Rod Roddy. Get the connection. I yes. see it. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Also, who, who remembers uh, these favorites? Brian Mitchell doing his best impersonation of the Fifth Doctor, ladies and gentlemen. With the celery on the side. Well, did he have the celery on the side? I don't know if he ever had the celery, but he had, like, ever-growing plant, ever-growing plant life in his lapel. Yeah, he had vegetation galore. Uh, Also, Jamie Widows, shortly before Charles in Charge, or maybe shortly after, I don't know. No, I think it was shortly before, because he wasn't credited with it. Yeah, because ah. Char- Charles in Charge's first season was until 84. By the way, first season of Charles in Charge, future installment. Uh, and also, uh, when Jamie Widows was on Super Password, he was definitely credited from Charles in Charge at that time. He definitely was not on Match Game Hollywood Squares. Yeah. And, so and, there's uh, that to put that to, to rest. And he was excellent on Super Password. I just want to point that out. Oh, he was very good. Then you had, and these are two names that really didn't hit it big yet. But they'd hit it big in the next couple of years. On the same week, week six, Michael Winslow. Damn right, Michael Winslow. Mm-hmm. This was shortly before Police Academy. Yes. And, and, and our um, least favorite, Jay Leno. Boo. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going through that as quickly as possible. Oh, another, another, uh, another week would have the 
the now late great Helen Reddy, along with Pat Sajak, Larry Minetti from Magnum, Marshall Wallace from Stuff. Yeah, Mark- Simpsons wouldn't be like for what, another seven years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, another six years. Charles Nelson Riley making a return to the game. Tim Reed from WKRP, Bruce Ball, the comedian, and from Sale of the Century, Sally Julian. Although, she wouldn't have been on Sale of the Century in 1984. No, she was gone, like, after 13 weeks in 83. I think she she was, at the time, voicing on Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah, I think that's what we determined. Yeah, we determined that. By the way, guys, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. That will be a future entry. Whenever the third MCU Spider-Man movie comes out, and by the way, Chico, I don't know, I don't know if you heard the news. It's been, I, a, it's I, been I, a crazy last couple it's of been, days. It's been, it's been a crazy day, but apparently, the MCU Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man are going to be connected by Jamie Fox. Yes, they're going to be connected by the host of Beach Shazam. <sighs> Hopefully, WandaVision or Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness will explain this. Yeah, because Lord knows we can't. Uh, Also, we should add, in late 83, there was a week dedicated to Leave it to Beaver. And you had, listen to these stars, Barbara Billingsley. Barbara Billingsley! Oh, stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right. Would you tell him to just relax, and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine. Just hang loose, blood. She's going to catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. Oh, say, cut it, please. Say, please. Say, please. Say, please. Say, please. Say, please. Chomp don't want to help. Chomp don't get the help. Say, can't hang. Say, seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in here. Richard Deacon... And this would have probably been one of his last appearances because he passed away in August of 84. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mike, for reminding us all a couple episodes ago that Richard Deacon died shortly after this. Sorry. Uh, another person who died very recently, Ken Osmond. Oh, yeah. Sad. R.I.P. Ken. The Beaver himself, Jerry Mathers. Love the Beaver. Yep. Do, do you love him as much as you love Wings? No, not as much as I love Wings. By the way, Mike, did you know that Wings made Tony Shalhoub's career? I did love Wings! I did not know that. By the way, happy birthday, Crystal Bernard, at the time we're recording this. Yeah, happy birthday, Crystal. And then you had Lumpy, Frank Bank. Frank Bank? Uh, yeah, Frank Bank. Oh, did you know Frank Bank's going to be in a future installment next year along with Ken Osmond? Oh, no. Oh, boy. You'll have to stay tuned to see what it is. Hint, it also involves one of the people we just mentioned. Uh, and then there are two uh, more minor characters, Jerry Weil and Rich Carell. Rich and, Carell would, of course, go on to be more of a writer yeah. than, a, than an actor. And rounding this out, rounding out the Leave it to Beaver week, Gallagher. Gallagher! Because as we all know, Gallagher was a big Leave it to Beaver fan. But guys, I gotta say, I feel ripped. We said we had we got the entire week. Not once did we get Gallagher smashing a watermelon. It would have been perfect. 
the final episode of 1983. You have Gallagher smash a watermelon to close out the year. You have somebody from the panel bring out the watermelon. And he smashes it with the sledgehammer. And the entire crowd at the NBC Burbank studio goes nuts. Yeah, I, I'm guessing Gene Baber wouldn't have been too hot on it. I'm surprised they didn't do anything for that episode because at least going back to the CBS match game, every New Year's Eve or end of the year, they would do some sort of transition from 73 to 74, 74, 75, so on and so forth. Yeah, the, the uh, year 1983 wasn't attached in any way, but it, it would almost seem uh, like a natural to, to do that for 1984. But they did yep. have the Christmas decorations. Oh, they, they did have oh, the Christmas yeah. decorations. Uh, and we're going to talk about that episode in a little bit. Yeah. We've already talked about it. We talked about it, gosh, what, like, I would say 85 episodes ago, maybe? Yeah. 80 episodes? Yeah, we talked about it a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we come back in 1984. Gosh, look at all the people that uh, were on NBC shows at the time. Dorothy Lyman, Mama's Family. Mama's Family. And uh, you had uh, David Ruprecht. We talked about that earlier. And then one person who we didn't even know until doing some research. Oh, yes. Christy Claridge. Who? Enlighten Chico, Greg. Okay. Do you know who Christine Claridge's sister is? Someone named Claridge. I don't know. It would be one Linda Hogan. Oh, uh, he's not wrong. Yes. Also, Linda Hogan, former Match Game contestant, too. Fun fact. Hmm. Yep. Brother. Brother. And then we continue uh, the last taped week in 1983. We have Mark Russell, who we mentioned was on Real People at the time. And, this, some... would, and this would be timely, kind of timely, too, because Mark Russell is... What is Mark Russell known for, guys? Uh, he would be... Known for uh, his comedic piano playing on politics. On politics, politics. yes. He's Mark Russell, America's funniest political satirist. And he's back on PBS with a brand new election year comedy special. I understand that Al Gore's planning to run for president in the year 2000. President Gore, he's such a bore. What's he stand for? Why does he look sore, President Gore? (laughs) Time Magazine says if you look up comedy in the dictionary, there should be a photo or other likeness of Mark Russell. Old Bill Clinton had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, with a crime bill here, education bill there, here a cut, there a cut, everywhere a bunch of cut. Newsweek magazine calls Mark Russell a cross between Woody Allen, Lenny Bruce, and Richard Pryor. Only a lot funnier! According to the latest polls, President Clinton leads Bob Dole of Kansas by 16 percentage points. Uh, It's brought to mind this little chestnut. Mine eyes have seen the latest polls. Dole 16 points before. The Wall Street Journal says the genius of Mark Russell is that he takes songs we all know and changes the words from what they regularly are and puts in things about politics that are real funny. I understand Ross Perot wasn't allowed in the televised debate. Here's a little song about all that. Ross Perot. Ross Perot. Ross Perot. Ross Perot. The Christian Science Monitor 
considered our concept of God, and it just might be Mark Russell. Deficit. We got a great big huge old deficit. The Mark Russell Election Year Comedy Special. Only on the network that's known for comedy. PBS. And what was going what was probably going on at the time. Uh, the start of the 84 election. Yep. So it's like, who better to have on than Mark Russell? And I don't remember him doing anything political. Uh, but again, uh, at this point, real papal would have been, oh my gosh, it would have been in his final season, I believe. I don't yeah. think it got past 84. No, it wasn't so, past no. 84. So th- this was a last-ditch effort to save uh, real people. Speaking of last-ditch efforts, albeit it's for a different network, Hey, another Happy Days star, Anson Williams. And then Leonard Fry still being credited from Mr. Smith, even though it's been canceled. From Mr. Smith, Leonard Fry. And then you had Pat McCormick, who is best known as one of the uh, the best writers in the Carson stable. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. No, oh, he's one of the best, absolutely. And then Jenny Lee Harrison, who would have been, again, on another dying show, Three's Company. Yeah. She was still on Three's Company at this time? She was still on Three's Company at the time. Yeah. So even when Priscilla Bonds <laughs> was on there? Yep. Wow. But then we start in 1984 with a bang. Oh. Or at least the first episodes recorded in 1984. We start again with the NBC promotion machine from Hot Potato, Bill Cullen. From, from Hot Hot Potato. Bill Cohen. And we got the answer. How is Bill Cohen going to get to the set? Turns well, out he just stands there. He just stands there. They put they shine a spotlight on Bill Cohen like he's Batman. It's like, here's Bill Cohen. For all we know, he could be Batman. That would be awesome if he was Batman. Uh, then we have another uh, celebrity whose uh, show is dying. Again, Three's Company, Richard Klein, and, and then uh, Ellen Bree from St. Elsewhere, again, mm-hmm. the NBC promotional machine. You had Linda Dano, who was on one of the soap operas. I think it was Another World. Oh, it was Another World. It was definitely an NBC show. I don't think they ever promoted uh, a soap opera from outside NBC. So it was either yeah. Another World or it was likely uh, Days of Our Lives. Right. Or Search for Tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think there's many people who uh, who were on Search for Tomorrow at that point. Yeah, wait, wait a minute. I think Search for Tomorrow still would have been a few months before moving from CBS to NBC. Okay, so not it's not on yet. Yeah, but yeah, definitely nobody from uh, Search for Tomorrow was on this show, at least from what we've seen. Then you had one big returning star from the the '70s match game in Gary Berghoff, then yeah. of. Well, not really of Aftermath, but he did appear on a couple episodes that we mentioned not terribly long ago. And then most of the rest of the cast was like from We've Got It Made. Terry Copley, Matt McCoy, Bonnie Irseth, Tom Villard. Trying to resuscitate a dead series. And the thing is, notice we didn't say Stephanie Kramer. She had bailed already, probably. Yeah, yeah, she was on her way to Hunter. She had just started at the police academy. And Leah Ayers was on, and uh, a name that's not familiar, but we're going to talk about her eventually because she was on the sitcom version of 9 to 5. Ooh! Yeah. What a way to make a living. Indeed. 
And then up to week 14, we get Alan Thicke and Gloria Loring, the loving wait, couple. Wait a minute. Say it. Alan Thicke. Yeah. From future. Robin, Robin's daddy. Oh, but of also future installment. Thick of the night. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, look Look who came to visit us on the 100th episode. Oh, wait, what's the 100th episode, guys? Hey, Tom, how you doing? Oh, I didn't realize it was the 100th episode. What am I going to do? Something. We'll, we'll talk about you in a little bit. Oh, okay. I'll just sit around here. Okay. And then, uh, as uh, mentioned earlier, Helen Reddy was on week 15. Rest in peace. She just died very recently. Mm-hmm. Again, NBC Promotion Factory, Pat Sajak. Well, yeah, wasn't he on some show with a wheel and a, a, a thing? And uh, before thing? they had the wheel condoms. It's called the white thing, Mike. You call it what you want. I'm going to call it what I want. Uh, then we get back to uh, Richard Klein and Leonard Fry. George Goebel was on, and this is like his only appearance, and he did try walking across the stage for the first episode, but on episode two through five, they pretty much did a Bill Cullen because he was not in as great of shape as uh, he could have been. Yeah, but but God bless him, he tried. He did try. Uh, And you had a, a lot of regulars listen to this. You had Jimmy Walker and Elaine Joyce and Bill Daly. And new regular Leonard Fry. Leonard so, Fry. Yeah, so you had a lot of uh, of old and new people aboard uh, that week 16. And then week 17, Robert Donner, he was a match game player. I mean, he, yeah, he, he was played, a match game player. He, he played in the final few years of match game when he was doing Mork and Mindy. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you had one of Greg's favorites, Gordon Jump. Oh, yeah. You know what we learned, guys? Don't go to that bicycle shop. Yeah, you stay the hell away from that bike shop. Stay the hell away from that bicycle shop. By the way, that episode of Different Strokes will be covered eventually on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, And then week 18 was Too Close for Comfort Week. Okay, wait a second. Too Close for Comfort is on ABC. What are we doing promoting another network show? Well, guys, Too Close for Comfort went to that magical world. Of first run syndication, and, and it would have been around this time, wouldn't it? Yep. So you had Ted Knight, Nancy Dassault, Lydia Cornell, established as quite a smart cookie on the panel. Deborah Van Valkenburg, not a smart cookie on the panel. Jim J. Bullock, a pre- a preface of things to come. Oh, and- definitely. Okay, and then you have to, I guess, fill out the rest of the squares. Elise Knight, Arsenio Hall, and Bart Braverman. Who had, like, really nothing to do with the show, and Elise Knight was just Ted Knight's daughter. I don't remember her ever being on the show. Then we get to week 19. Again, dying show alert. Aaron Moran from Happy Days. Yes. And, yeah, Charles Nelson Riley. Oh, oh, yes, and we also had Bob Eubanks plugging... Dreamhouse, which would have had maybe about another four months at this point. 
Oh, but guys, but guys, uh-huh. we have another favorite of ours. Yep. We have Fred Travelina on the panel. <laughs> oh, look at me. I can yeah, yeah we're going to talk about some of these celebrities in a little bit. Oh, because... but hold up, hold up, guys. We do have somebody. We have, do have one celebrity that we'll talk about. Hopefully next year, James Sloan from future installment. Oh, Madeline. Oh, Madeline. Yeah, we'll do that eventually for mm-hmm. sure. We're going to definitely do that in 2021. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and speaking of Oh, Madeline, the next week, week 20, we had Jesse Wells from Oh, Madeline. Oh, Madeline. And, and if you look at her IMDP page, Oh, Madeline is like the only thing Jesse Wells did. Oh. So, so, so she got on Mesh Game Hollywood Squares. She got on Oh, Madeline. And thanks for playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had Greg's favorite, Tom Bray from Riptide. Yes! Tom Bray. Yeah, and, and Paula Kelly from Night Court, which would have only been around for pretty much like two months now. Yeah, this aired in March of 84, and, and uh, Night Court started in early January of 84. And then again, the election year, we have somebody who is renowned for being part of the election process for a number of years. Pat Paulson. Yes, Pat Paulson, mm-hmm. who was mainly famous for just running in presidential elections. Yeah, and I mean, he started doing that like in 68 when he was on the Smothers Brothers. And then again, another dying show alert, Anson Williams is back again. Mm-hmm. Uh, then week 21, we got James B. Seeking of Hill Street Blues. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> another thing I want to note, James B. Seeking was in... Oh, Chico, you're going to love this. He was in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, as the captain of the Excelsior. Yellow alert. Captain to the bridge. Yellow alert. Bridge, this is the captain. How can you have a yellow alert in space dock? Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. I'm on my way. Damn right he was. Yeah. And friggin' Scotty trying to show him off cripples the warp drive on that thing. Classic. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, who was James B. Seeking's first officer in Star Trek Three? Chico, do you want to take a guess? First officer in Star Trek Three in Chris on the Excelsior. No, 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 oh, on the Excelsior. Oh. Yes. Oh. Okay, get ready for this. Miguel Ferrer from oh. Twin Peaks. It all comes back to Twin Peaks. You knew it was coming! It always goes back to Twin Peaks. And a bunch of other things. R.I.P. Miguel. And then uh, we have regulars, Niedervolz and Leonard Fry. Uh, But then we have one name which may not be familiar. Lois Hamilton. Uh, Doing a little bit of research on her. She had like the number of the... She had like the record number of guest appearances, cameo appearances on TV shows back in like 83 or so. So her career at that point was showing up as that person on that show. But also, if that name doesn't ring a bell, you know she has a game show connection. She does have a game show connection. Yeah, she does. Uh, Under uh, the last name Arrano, Lois Arrano was a dealer on Card Sharks back in the 70s and early 80s. Oh. Oh, yeah. And also, was it Marky Post? Marky Post was a dealer on Card Sharks, too, wasn't she? Marky Post was a dealer. She was a dealer on Card Sharks, and also she was a writer on Double Dare, yep. 
She, Marky Post could with, do it all. She cut her teath with uh, Goodson Todman. Mar- and Marky Post never let anybody forget about it. Yeah, can't forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get another regular from the 70s match game, Fanny Flag. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, so we're getting some of the, the old crowd back, uh, maybe as a, a ploy to bring up the ratings. But then we have Tom Villard. And again, another NBC show that, that needed promotion from fame, Carlo Imperato. Okay. That, that would also, of course, like Too Close for Comfort before it, go to that wonderful land of first-run syndication. Yeah. Oh, yes. And it was there for a number of years. Yeah. It was there forever. Well, it lived forever. Uh, but... fame, li- fame lived forever. Oh, that's clever. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, that was well played. And then the last week we've seen at this point is week 22, and that was the St. Elsewhere week. Kim Miori, Eric Lanaville, uh, Ed Bigley Jr., Norman Lloyd, Howie Mandel, Nancy Stafford, Terrence Knox, Ellen Bree. And one thing I want you to take away from this, at least as of the time of this recording, all eight of those celebrities are still with us. Yes! That is incredible for a show 36 years old. Ever and Norman Lloyd is like what over a hundred? He's like, like 105. 105. Wow. Yeah. I that is that is nuts. Ed Beckley Jr. still working. Of course, we all know Howie Mandel. His pick for the Golden Buzzer just won America's Got Talent. And, and also Eric Landonville, I should add, and we're gonna get to contestants in a little bit. His sister was a contestant uh, early on on Match Game Hollywood Squares. She was. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, so we got many connections there, and obviously, if, if Eric Landaville's sister, you know, made it later, she wasn't going to be playing the same panel with her brother. Uh, that, no. was, was, that would just be weird. Yeah. Well, that, well, that would also be just a, a little illegal. Just a hair illegal too. Yeah. But, yeah. but of course, I feel, I believe in one of the episodes, Eric Landaville talks about getting his first directing gig. And of course, now he's gone on to be a great director on television shows. Yeah, I think he has. And just quickly going through some of the names that we'll see uh, on future episodes. And yeah, it's very possible they may air the rest of the episodes because we're uh, 22 weeks deep and it only ran for 39 weeks. So that means there's like 18 weeks left. Yeah. Yep. And just going through the, the weeks really fast. Uh, another dying show, Roxy Roker from Jefferson's, and that would be gone by 85. Yes, it would. Mm-hmm. And then you had Steve Allen and Jane Meadows. And, and I know Steve Allen at least did match game, I want to say like 73, 74. So he's a veteran oh, yeah. of sorts. And he probably did squares at some point. Oh, I, I'm sure he did. Then you had Gloria Loring again. And again, she would have been associated with NBC with uh, a soap opera. Then at week 24, real fast, Jane Kennedy, Wycliffe's own. Yes. She, and she would have been obviously on CBS at that time. So would Michael Lebeck on one day at a time. Well, and also Sor- Sorrel Book, because he would have been Boss Hogg on Dukes of Hazard, and, and again, that's another show that really was sort of in its dying days. I mean, I know it lasted until like 86 or 87, but the, the season that you lost uh, Bo and Luke Duke and had their cousins. Oh, Cohen. That uh, may need to be an installment. It is, is going to be an installment. Coy and Vance Duke will be an installment, of course, and along with that episode, the Dukes of Hazard that had Simon McCorkendale in it. Uh, and then you had Bill Rafferty again. 
week 25, Tim Reed, who had been on a couple of episodes, Bill Anderson, another person who's used to match game in the 70s. Uh, he also and did, let's not forget, he did The Better Sex. With Sarah Purcell. In the 80s, he would have done Fandango. That's right, on TNN. And that would have been on around this time. So I wonder if they promoted from, you know, Fandango on TNN, Bill Anderson. I mean, it would make total sense. Then you had, again, Linda Dano, and you had Fred Travelina and Soupy Sales. I don't remember Soupy being on many Match Game episodes. I hear Soupy has a great takeout business. But then week 26. Oh, Greg, I hope you're sitting. We got names here. Leonard Fry, number one. Lydia Cornell, Richard Klein. Abby Dalton, there, there's your Hollywood Squares veteran. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Charles Nelson Riley, another Match Game veteran, or you know, another appearance from him. But then, uh, and Phyllis Diller, who had been on a number of times, but there's two names, Renee Enriquez from Hill Street Blues, but I hope you're sitting, Chuck Wagner! Yeah, from Auto Man! Presentamos Zippers. From Auto Man, and uh, he was on Password Plus with Regis Philbin in late 81. Oh, and by the way, Mike, hashtag, holograms cannot wear suits. No, they cannot. But they can win money being contestants on Password Plus. Yeah, he only won like $3,700, and he was on like for five games. He never won uh, alphabetics. Sad. Oh, that's... And then week 27, McLean Stevenson again. Again from Night Court, Richard Mall. And then you had from Hotel, Nathan Cook. And you had Martha Smith, who would have been on Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Yeah, and we mentioned she was on Go. Absolutely. And then you had Charles Nelson Riley for the second straight week. And you had Bonnie Yerseth again, trying to save We Got It Made. And then you had Larry Linville, who would he have been on Aftermath at this point? Larry Linville? Yes. Okay. okay. So he's privately trying to save that uh, ship. And then you had Deidre Voles. But then you get to week 28. Listen to this. You got Deidre Hall, who was like big soap star back in the 80s. Still is, by the way. Still is. You had Christopher Rich and Nancy Frangione, who are a married couple who had been on, uh, I believe, the Another World. Yeah. Oh, this was and, the and, this is the NBC Soap Week. Yep. Yeah, and the thing is, the the big name I wanted to mention because I know Greg is going to flip out. Oh, I know, and I know Chica is going to flip out too. I oh, oh, I am going to flip out. I'm going to flip out. Commence flipping. John Delancey. I went to college with this kid. Yeah. And, of course, John Delancey, better known from Star Trek The Next Generation is Q. Mm-hmm. Everything goes back to Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, but you know what? We're, John pulling, Del- out, we're pulling out all the in-jokes, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I'll say this. John Delancey is Q. He makes the Star Trek The Next Generation pinball He's machine. Up. Bonjour, mon capitaine. Q, what are you doing here? Let's play a little game. Q, we don't have time for your game. I don't, know you, you, I don't know if you've seen him in Lower Decks, but wow. Oh, he's in Lower Decks? He's in Lower Decks. Oh, my God. I need to watch that. I need to get – I got to get CBS All Access. Is, oh, is that on that or Nickelodeon? It's uh, All Access. Okay, because I know Star, uh, Nickelodeon's getting a Star Trek animated series, I think. Yeah. And, and then week 29, we go back to the 50s. Uh, we don't have any Leave it to Beaver people, but listen to who we have. I mean, this is a pretty good lineup. From the 50s. You have David Nelson, 
who would have passed away maybe about almost two years uh, later, mm-hmm. actually about a year and a half later. You had Angela Cartwright, Ed Burns, Cookie Burns, who we just lost not that long ago, Bob Denver, uh, and of course you guys know him as Gilligan, but he was also on uh, Dobie Gillis. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and then of course, direct from the fifties, Jay Leno. Uh, I don't get it either. But then you had Fabian. Ah, he's dreamy. Yeah, oh, that, oh. That, that's an appropriate reaction. And, and then you have unrelated Eleanor Donahue and Troy Donahue. That's not confusing at all. No. And, and of course, Eleanor Donahue, about uh, six years later, would star in one of my favorite shows as well as Greg's, Get a Life. Huh. Uh, yeah, she would be, the, she was the mother for Chris Elliott's character. Yeah, she was the wife to Bob Elliott on uh, Get a Life. Then we go back to week 30. Carlo Imperato again from fame. Hey, there's Jane Kennedy again. Wycliffe in the house. And Nancy Lane, again, former match game player back in the late 70s, early 80s. Tom Bray's back. Oh, yes. Uh, on, on hit show now, Riptide. Oh, yeah, because Riptide, Riptide's getting an audience, baby. It's, it's oh, all yeah. about, hey, it's all about that robot. Everybody likes the robot. Yeah, he was no, I'll tell you this. That robot on Riptide, he was no chameleon. Because, oh, because you know why? Nothing was chameleon. Because as... you know, guys, chameleon's not a robot. Yeah, and the Riptide robot worked all the time. Yeah, it actually worked, unlike that stupid chameleon. Didn't we talk about this last episode? Hey, hey, Peter Davison hated the crap out of that robot. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame him. <clears throat> Uh, we had Ed Begley Jr. again from St. Elsewhere. Tom Poston's back. He would have been a new heart at this point for a, at least a good two years. Oh, wait, you mentioned my name, Mike? Oh, oh boy. And quickly moving on, Jimmy Walker. Then, hey, more NBC folks. Mindy Cohn from Facts of Life. And, oh, look at all these dying TV shows. Eddie Mecca, David Lander, both from Laverne and Shirley. Uh, Lenny and Squiggy, and you had Lori Hendler from Give Me a Break, and you had Aaron Moran from Happy Days again, uh, but also you had Nature Voles and you had Michael Winslow. Again, two somewhat regulars are back on the show in week yeah. 31. Uh, week 32, He's just he... holding out for the next Police Academy movie. Don't well, remember, during one of his appearances, they did promote Police Academy. From they said it's coming Academy. in summer of, of 84. What? Yep, and and this would be summer of '84. Um, it this week aired May 28th. Yeah, late spring. In week 32, we had Bruce Baum, and we had William Christopher. Yep, Barbara Mulcahy, Fanny Flag, Tim Reed, Teresa Ganzel. We haven't really talked about her. She would have been on the Duck the, Factory at that yes. time. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. She the was Duck Factory. Fa- I forgot about that. Yes, sorry, a certain someone who we mentioned a couple episodes ago. Jim Carrey. Yep. Uh, who will be playing uh, Joe Biden on SNL. Again, 40-year make good. Obviously, at this point, Teresa Ganzel wouldn't be the tea time lady with Johnny Carson because Carol Wayne wouldn't pass away for about another year or so, 85. Right. Wow. And then uh, Robert Donner, again, we mentioned Robert Donner on Match Game in the late 70s, early 80s, coinciding with uh, Mork and Mindy. And I think Mork and Mindy would have been gone at this point. I think it would have been done by 83. Okay. 
Week 33, Marty Cohen, another person who is a semi-regular from Solid Gold. He was like the in-house comedy. Yeah, Brian Mitchell again, uh, unknown if he had any sort of vegetation. Uh, George Goble appeared again, as did Rene Enriquez, Randy Oaks, and Richard Mall. So a lot of uh, return visitors that week. Going down to the sixth of the last week, week 34, Richard Klein, Charlie Siebert. I don't think we've seen Charlie Siebert at this point. No. Uh, we, I think we might have seen him once. We might have seen him once, but somebody I know we definitely didn't see is Roger E. Mosley from Magnum P.I. Oh, yeah. T.C. And then Ken Kerchival, obviously from Dallas. Yeah, I think he was he was in an earlier week. Yep. Uh, he may have been. Uh, actually, now that you say that, I remember him. Yes. And then Pat Sajak is back. And again, Lois Hamilton, formerly Lois Arreño from Card Sharks. But then we get to week 35. Paula Kelly's back. Arlene Francis. What? The legendary Arlene Francis. And yep. I think the last time she did match game at this point would have been 78, uh, right before they brought on the, the new set. Mm-hmm. And the star wheel, obviously. Yep. Yeah. Also, uh, Jamie Farr, McLean Stevenson, little mash reunion there. Well, yeah, little, yeah, little mash reunion there. Heidi Bohey from Hotel at the time. Linda Dano's back. Arsidio Hall's back. And some guy who has some show coming up. Chuck Woolery. Oh, would that be Scrabble? That would be Scrabble. Yeah, that would be, be Scrabble. He was... Well, also, he would have had Love Connection at that time, too. Yeah, too. So, mm-hmm. But, I mean, this would be like... This would be kind of like his, his big return to NBC Daytime after Wheel. This would have been like a week or two before Scrabble premiered. They promoted the heck out of Scrabble. If you like Wheel of Fortune, you're going to love the all-new Scrabble. The exciting word game with a real challenge. Weekdays starring Chuck Woolery following Wheel of Fortune. I mean, when you think about it, Scrabble, the format of this game is kind of sort of like Wheel with the letters. Yeah, kind of. And, and with the, the, the punny writing. So it's like Chuck Woolery going back to his roots, kind of. Somewhat. Then four weeks left, Lydia Cornell, Anson Williams, Carlo Imperato, Phyllis Diller, Nathan Cook, Abby Dalton again, Charles Nelson Riley, and one new person, Christina Pickles. Secretly British. Yeah, from seen elsewhere. And, and then wrapping it up, last three weeks, Tom Villard, Jane Kennedy, Terrence Knox, Tom Poston, Fred Travelina, Kate McGeehan, and, and, and Mindy Cohn and Nidra Voles. So again, seven of the eight celebrities had been on previous weeks. Week 38, D.D. Khan. Now, mind you, D.D. Khan would have been on... Uh, Benson. Benson. Well, she would have been on Benson, but that would have been, again, maybe about six years after Greece. Alex Cord, Michael Limbeck again, Audrey Landers again, Marty Cohen again, Judy Landers. Hey, both Landers sisters. Yeah. Uh, Mar- confuse the two. Anne-Marie Martin and uh, Jimmy Walker. And then the final week... Leonard Fry, Barry Gordon, Roxy Roker, Rodri Mosley, Phyllis Diller, Fanny Flagg, Constance McCanson, and Charles Nelson Riley. And as far as I know, I think all eight of those people had been on the show at some point. Yes. So there's like the rundown of the celebrities, but there's a lot more that we can talk about. We can talk about famous contestants because there are a number of contestants that stick out in our mind for how they played or how they looked and, and bigger things they went on to. Like, for instance, somebody that appeared on Match Game Hollywood Squares, and this is a name you guys would recognize more than me, is Eben Ham. 
Yes, he was an extra on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Again, it always goes back to Star Trek The Next Generation. Damn right it do. Uh, and we mentioned uh, Eric Lanneville's sister was on pretty early on, within like the first, I want to say, eight weeks or so, definitely before he was on. And a name that was that's big now, or at least reasonably big now, especially if you have kids, this person was on the week with this person was on the first week that aired in 84 and he was on for three episodes and he was a 19 year old art student at the time Uh, a gentleman by the name of butch hartman wait a minute the guy from fairly odd parents among other shows yep that's the guy uh plus also we should mention he's the namesake of dr hartman on family guy you know when you talk you sound a lot like my father-in-law cataputishmit Oh, that's funny. He's a patient of mine. Here's my urine sample, Doctor. Thank you, Mr. Pewterschmidt. Oh, hi, Peter. You know, Peter says we sound alike. Really? I don't hear it. Actually, I think I do hear it now. Really? Yeah, you know, we've never really had any extended interaction, so I've never noticed it. Hey, I think I hear it, too. Seems lazy, doesn't it? Well, there's only so many voices in the world. Some of them are bound to be similar. That is true. I forgot about that. Yes, he is. Uh, We should also add maybe a dubious distinction. He is at least the first person and maybe the only person to go to the super match twice on consecutive uh, installments and get the 30 each time and lose each time. Yes. Cause he was the first person to get a $30,000 super match loss. Uh, and he was also the first person to get a $7,500 super match loss. Yeah. And I think that's the only time the 30 has been picked. That's not in a $30,000 situation so far on buzzer. Uh, I think we've had a 30,000 loss besides that. No, I mean, a, thir- a, a person picks the 30 and it's not for $30,000. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we, we haven't seen anything uh, outside of that episode besides $1,000 being one and the 30s multiplying up with that. You're absolutely right about that thus far. Some other contestants that really ring a bell with us, and we talked about this gentleman uh, on episode one, and he was on early in week three... And he did the exact opposite of Butch Hartman. He won the $30,000 back-to-back. Yes. Yep. And, and we respectfully call him Magnificent Beard Guy. Oh, what a magnificent beard he had. He's got a plush beard. guy has a magnificent beard. And, yes, that, he, and those two episodes were so amazing. Buzzer re-ran them uh, in St. Patrick's Day earlier this year as part of the Lucky Wins Marathon they had. Yeah, he won with Marty Cohen once, and he won with uh, Gloria Loring the other time. What a great combo, huh? Uh-huh. Marty Cohen and Robin Thicke's mama. Yeah, it's a weird combination. Other contestants that sort of have caught our fancy, there was a contestant named Mark Bird, and this would have been around episode 75, so we're talking roughly about uh, the George Goebel week. And he again, he was on for three episodes, didn't win a super match, but... What he's known for is fantastic 80s porn stash. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he had this thick porn stash. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and he, but and we're he, not insinuating he does porn. Well, he kind of, if you look at him, he kind of looks like he's Borat's brother. Uh, that's a good comparison. Yeah, and very timely because what's coming out soon? Yeah, Borat too. Oh my God, I, can't, uh-huh. I cannot wait for that. And then another person, and this is maybe 
Gray, I think, just fell in love on first sight with uh, this contestant. Oh. We respectfully call her Katie de Tomato. Yeah. Katie de Tomato. Katie, de Katie de Charles. And she was on uh, February of 84. And she was on for, oh, gosh, I think four episodes. Three or four episodes. Yeah, she at least three episodes, I think four. And she was just like the most darling person ever. Somebody you could bring home to mom and dad. Oh, yes. She was awesome. She was such a cutie. And she did such a great job at the game. She was. She was an incredible contestant. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's not really many other contestants we want to talk about, but there's some highlights we need to talk about. Go on. Well, again, we talked about back-to-back $30,000 wins in week three. We did. The second to last week of 83, the episode before Christmas, which would have been Friday, the 23rd of December of 83, you had a number of incidents that occurred. First, they actually displayed uh, three Christmas trees on the light boards. Yes, as we mentioned, Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour had an amazing light board. Yeah, uh, and I actually have if I can bring it up real quick, they actually have, and Gene mentions this. All right. Now, before we start the game, I just want to call attention, your attention, to this fabulous board here. It contains 2,304 light bulbs. And through the magic of some computerized console over there, they can make almost any name, any figure, anything happen up there. But I need the help of the stars. If you'd all join me over here, please. Uh, Have we got a follow spot on? Can we get that follow spot on over here? And would you all stand up here, please? Oh, and you brought your Christmas piñata, Jim? That was very nice of you. As close as you can together. And we'll do, in order to cue the, the light wall, which is a remarkable device, into doing something, we'll do just one line of Deck the Halls. Ready? All right. Deck the Halls with boughs of holly. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. later part of the show. No, wait a minute. Wait a second. How about a little equal time for our Jewish friends? Oh. oh, Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, it's three weeks before Christmas. Thank you, Marty. Happy equal Hanukkah. time. Yay. Happy Christmas and happy Hanukkah to all. Thank you all. So uh, the first thing revealed that day is that the, the big light board, when it was decked out with the Christmas trees, Gene says that there are 2,304 light bulbs on the total 768 squares, which means each square got three bulbs. So that's how you got the array of colors, obviously mixing like red and white or red, red and blue. Red, or... Yellow. Yeah. So you, you, yeah. So you uh, had a little bit of flexibility, which would have been amazing technology back in 83. But then, and we mentioned this some time ago, we had, well, on Thursday, we had a $30,000 winner. Cindy Charbonneau won $30,000 with Leonard. So she's on, she's riding high. Yep. So what happens on the pre-Christmas episode? She totally bombs the super match. Oops. So she's playing for $100 times the multiplier. She picks Tom Poston, who's got 10. So that's $1,000. 
And Tom has what we lovingly call a mini coma. <laughs> Play the clip. Thousand dollars added to the thirty-one thousand would make it thirty-two thousand, wouldn't it? Good luck to you. Here it is. Johnny Blank. Johnny Blank. No help from the audience, please. Johnny Blank. He's contemplating his answer. He's he's writing down an answer. It's the Tom Poston play-by-play network. And he's still writing it down because Carson is such a long word. I love to be a fly in He's had a second thought. He's thinking Johnny Appleseed now. He's written Carson. He's written Appleseed. Oh, here comes another entry. Johnny Trumaine. Johnny Trumaine, Johnny Appleseed, Johnny Carson. (laughs) Tom's still thinking. He's still thinking. Now what in the world him is Jim? Jim is thinking. showing something I, to Tom. Tom's in the middle of an eyes open nap. Would be what do I have to do? Oh. <laughs> he's just—he's—he's. He's, what is he doing? And now Marty and Jim are choking the ever loving Tom. Um, Now we know how he got his job as George Utley on Newhart. What do I do? And all, all that over 1,000 lousy dollars. $1,000, give her the money. Victoria Hallman has a 30. You're welcome, Greg. Before Christmas, Tom, what do I have to do? Put the thing, oh, I'm the one you mean. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to get so much mileage out of that clip. Oh, yeah. And then you, you did have other little bonus events going on. So from 84, through the first roughly two weeks of February, we had the telephone match where home viewers who sent in postcards They'd automatically win $500, and supposedly they didn't even know about that until uh, Gene told them. And if they matched one of the celebs on a head-to-head, they would win $5,000, but also they'd earn an opportunity to have a walk-on appearance on an NBC soap opera. Yay! Well, there's one little issue with this, and they didn't play it for like the entire two weeks. They played it until they had five winners. Yeah, so it, it wasn't on for the whole two weeks. Once they had five winners, nope, we're done. So the next episode would play as normal. No uh, telephone match. During this time, we actually get one of the least successful undefeated champions. We get a gentleman by the name of Ron Barnes who was undefeated. Yes. He won, he, he won his Hollywood Squares matches five times. He retired. But there's like one huge problem. 
didn't win. L- listen to these numbers. Oh. oh. I- I'm sorry. I-, I didn't mean to make everybody sad. He didn't win the big money on Wednesday. He didn't win the big money on Thursday. He did win the big money on Friday. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he blew the uh, the super match and played for uh, $2,000, 100 times 20. Oh. So uh, he won, but not impressively. And then on Monday, he missed the head-to-head match, and he sometimes missed gloriously. They're, they were not good matches. And then on his last day, he missed the head-to-head match there, and of all things, he was going for $30,000. Oh! So he, retired, so he retired with one head-to-head match win, and he retired with $7,475. Which isn't bad if you think about it. But it's for not... a five-day champion, that's... Yeah, uh... yeah it, it's sort of meh, especially when you see people who were on two days and three days, uh, even you know, five days, winning 40000 50000 Yes, you had uh, a magnificent beard guy winning 60000 plus, and he only got 7475 Ah, sad. And again, as we stated, right now, the last episodes we've seen uh, are the St. Elsewhere week, 23 weeks in, so we got about uh, 16 weeks left. And definitely on the 50s week, well, first off, Rich Jeffries fills in for Gene Wood, which is... Definitely a change of pace because you're used to Gene Wood and sometimes Johnny Olson, even though he doesn't really quite get the cadence down. Yeah. It's yeah. time for the match game. Hollywood Squares. Our Grub Hot Potato, Bill Cullen. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, on the Salute to 50s week, we have Rich Jeffries uh, announcing. But also, and this is online, we do have a $30,000 win that week with Fabian. Oh, sorry for spoiling it. And then obviously the last week, as we talked about earlier, Match Game Hollywood Squares would be replaced by Santa Barbara, which had a fairly lengthy run on NBC. Yeah. But now we didn't mention the uh, the hosts. Yeah. We know Gene Rayburn, but John Bowman. Yeah. Bowser from Shanana. So Chico, you were in here in episode one. Give us your thoughts about. Oh, gosh. God bless him, he tried. You know what? I gotta say, John Bauman has grown on me. He, yeah, he, he is an acquired taste. People warm to him. I like him. I think he's okay. Yeah, I mean, he's not Peter. I'm like, he's not. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be Peter Marshall. Nobody's gonna be Peter Marshall. He's John Bauman. That's all he could be, and he made the thing work. But so, uh, that's was why I said. God bless him. He tried. But I will say this. Early on, he didn't look that well. But when you had the likes of Jay Leno and Fred Travelina and uh, Bruce Baum, uh, Vic Dunlop, some of the comedians were trying to ham it up because, you know, they're comedians. He did a good job of maintaining the, the pace, saying, okay, guys, time's a factor. We're trying to win folks money. So yeah, you got to give him some credit there. And I, I, and you know what? I like his. I like the way he throws it to commercial. Yes, I'm a fan of the way he throws it to commercials. Like, oh. and we'll be right back. You come back too. And I also like how whenever they pick him for the uh, head-to-head match in the super match, the little Venevidi Vici thing when he pulls the number. Mm-hmm. I like that. 
But I, I want to share with you something. Now, we were wondering what was the deal with Peter Marshall. Well, I have Adam Needham's book right here on Gene Rayburn for you that answers this question about the origins of the Matching Hollywood Squares Hour. Now, Peter is interviewed in the book, and he says, at the time when the show was being developed, he owned a piece of Hollywood Squares. According to Peter, there was a year when Heater Quigley gave me a share of it when I renewed my contract. And even though they sold it off what they owned, I still had my piece, and I was in a position where I could do things with it. What I really wanted to do was get two shows back into production at NBC. During the 60s and 70s, Hollywood Squares aired back-to-back with Jeopardy. It was the original version of Art Plumbing. And we got great ratings, and I thought we still could. Jeopardy had no control over that. That was a different company, obviously Murph Griffin, different people, and I couldn't do anything about that. But I was completely serious about pitching this, even though Jeopardy wasn't mine. I wanted to talk to NBC into putting both shows back on the air. I met with a man at Orion Television and negotiated a deal where I'd sign over my rights to Squares in exchange they would help me get the shows back on the air. I pitched the idea first to Grant Tinker, who was the chairman of the board at NBC back then, because Grant and I had a relationship outside of television. We were friends. Grant liked the idea. The guys running NBC Daytime at that point were incensed because they felt I went over their heads. I didn't go over their heads. Grant was my friend. So the NBC Daytime guys found out I had signed over my share of squares to Orion. They did business with the people at Orion, and Grant Ticker wound up being the one who called and broke the news to me that NBC was picking up Hollywood Squares, but that they didn't want me involved. They screwed me, and I immediately knew the show was going to be a disaster because they weren't going to hire anybody who worked on the original show. They were going to hire an entirely new group to run it, and that was a horrible idea. Well, it wasn't an entirely new group to write to write it. It was the new to Squares group, but it wasn't entirely. It's like I, I think I said this on my other podcast, WLTI. It's like Match Game Hollywood Squares. It seems like Goodson Todman wanted to bring back Match Game at the behest of Squares. They spent all this time on Match Game, but not a lot of time on Hollywood Squares. I think you even said it yourself, Chico. It was almost an afterthought. Well, you also s- said, and I correct me if I'm wrong, you said it was a bastardized version of Battle Stars. I did say that. I did say it was a bastardized version of Battle Stars. Which I could agree with, since basically every question was a binary question. You mm-hmm. had either answer A, you had answer B. That's what happened on Battle Stars. You didn't necessarily have that on Hollywood Squares back in the. The 70s and 60s. A or B? Yes or no? This or that? Which is older? This or that? Yeah. And the thing is, they did some great pairings, you know, for which is older, and they'd have two loosely related items. Uh, And then you had your usual, like, household tips and etiquette, you know. Mary Ellen says, Mark Goodson really loved Mary Ellen, let me tell you. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, that was a flaw with the game, but I could see why they did that to keep the show moving. Plus mm-hmm. also, one thing that you know made people mad or frustrated, I should say, is if you miss the square, mm-hmm. your opponent automatically got oh, it, yeah. even in a win situation, which I understand, but also at the same time, you want to get as many games in. You, you don't want to get just one game in or two games in. I think at some point they got like five games in, or at least four yeah, for sure. Because they play Hollywood Squares to the schedule. Yeah, 
I know we had on one episode the champion winning the Hollywood Squares portion by a total, and this isn't even a joke, $1,300 to $25. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, at that point, I'd almost be like, nope, don't give me the pity $25. I don't even deserve it. So we talked about the host. We talked about the show. Have we talked about the legacy of the show? Is there a legacy of the show? I think, I think the legacy has, has sort of returned over the last year to a uh, year and a half. Yeah, because this has basically become, I mean, the show was never rerun until last year. And most people, when they discovered this, on so who are not big fans of the genre like us, are like, what? Yeah, it's like... This doesn't work. How does this even work? Well, and the thing is, it's very polarizing. Either you love the game or you hate it. Yeah, that's true. And they must be getting halfway decent ratings because it airs now at 11 o'clock on weekdays at 11 a.m. It airs at 10 p.m. weeknights. It airs at 1 a.m. weeknights, uh, all Eastern time, by the way. And then it even airs a couple of times on the weekend. I believe uh, 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays and 3 p.m. Eastern on Sundays. So obviously, you know, people must be watching it because, you know, they have what pretty much like seventeen airings on any given week. Oh uh, yeah. So there's incentive to get those last few episodes converted. Yeah, I mean, so we know you have the technology, Freeman. It'll make it happen. And I had a theory about this, and I wonder if they're going to do it, uh, not necessarily for Buzzer. But I wonder if at some point Fremantle is going to create their own version of HBO Max or Disney Plus or some sort of channel like that where you can watch not just Goodman Todman shows, but uh, you know, other Fremantle shows thinking specifically Baywatch. Yeah. Or yeah. Shadows. Yeah. So I, I think really that may be what's going on is if they're converting it, it isn't for the benefit of Buzzer. Obviously, you want to salvage it or, or save it in some capacity. Obviously, if you can you know, convert it, you'll be able to stream it or have your own on-demand channel. Or we know that a lot of Buzzer products have appeared on Amazon Prime. Yep, yep. And, and yeah, and, and even for a show like, like Beat the Clock in 1979, they've got, I believe, 60 episodes up. And I think there were only, if I remember correctly, like 90 or 91 so they've got two-thirds of the run-up, and this, of course, is where I make my plea. I need closure. Yeah, please, guys. Please, people. Guys, Closer free mantle. Give my closure and beat the clock with my I'm pretty sure we would. We, I think we all need closure. Yeah. Seriously, I need closure because I need to know how the week with Rolna Hovis and her husband, Guy Hovis, how that week ended. When GSN aired it, I think they aired up until the third to last episode and then pulled it. You're three episodes away. Three episodes away. So th- there's my plea again for the missing uh, episodes of, of Beat the Clock to air. So maybe they'll, they'll pacify me by getting that done in the next three years or so. Who knows? But again, also, th- that is a supply and demand thing. If there's a demand for it, they're going to convert those ex, uh, those leftover 30 episodes. But also at the same point, if they are uh, actually like creating an archive or creating 
some sort of on-demand, some sort of VOD, or even just if they want to put it in digital format for posterity, there you go. I, mean, I, I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, you want to save your investments if at all possible. And I know Buzzer has a ton of shows to convert, but uh, you know, if, if they you know convert you know fifty thousand or sixty thousand shows or however many they have, that yep. would be one hell of a a, a VOD channel. We'd be interested. Oh, I, sure would. I, I'd pay good money for that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I think one more thing we're going to mention, and we haven't mentioned it yet, is the absolute kick butt theme song. Oh, yeah. God. Lottery by Ed Kalehoff. One yeah. of the most bombastic pieces of music on a TV show. I'm not even saying a game show ever. It's like, that is not the theme. It's like, that is not a theme song to a game show. That is a theme song to an event. You exactly. hear this song, you know some shit is about to go down proper. You're absolutely right. Th- this is not necessarily a game show theme, but you know something big is going to happen. This is uh, big, may- big, and- big, big. And maybe not necessarily uh, with the prizes uh, of Mash Game Hollywood Squares, but remember when they used it on Prices Right from like 84 till I think like 2001, 2002? You were not playing for some rinky-dink hatchback by Ford. No, or, no you're playing you're, you're for playing, a Lincoln. Yeah, oh, yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily a Lincoln, but you're playing for probably a good twenty to $25,000 car back in the day. And I have something pretty nice for you, Albert. Okay. I have it sitting right back here. A new sports car. <laughs> American-built, high-performance, front-wheel drive sports car with aerodynamic styling, high technology, and full sports car instrumentation. The Dodge Daytona comes with these options. California emission, pearl coat paint, outside dual-power mirrors, and battery charger. And if you win this car, you'll also receive this new car phone. Okay, advanced cellular car phone. Features push-button dialing, last number recall, 100-cell memory, dial number display, and electronic lock from Okie Telecom. So, yeah, uh, you that was event music. That was not something that you saved for the Ford Focus. Nope, nope, nope. That is something that uh, you definitely would use for, let's say, three strikes. That would be something for, you know, whatever big car game you had at the time where the cars were at least 20000 up to maybe about $30,000. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, amazing theme song. One of my favorites of all time. Got to give him credit. All those cues are amazing. They are. Okay. Anything else? I'm just thankful to being able to see this show at long last. I mean, I've been sort of part of Game Show Web for the last 20 years, and... I've always heard about this show, but I never got to see it. Now I get to see it, and it's everything I thought it would be and more. Yeah, and uh, at least one of us, well, me, neither of you had seen it, obviously, at the time. I remember this when it originally aired. I mean, I don't remember necessarily specifics. I remember some specifics, but you don't forget that big light board. No. And you don't forget that theme music. You don't forget that theme music, and you don't forget the voice of Gene Wood. Or Johnny Olson. Or Rich Jeffries. That sounds like Barney. That's what that well, well Rich Jeffries sounds like Barney. He Leave does me alone. Sound, 
does sound like Barney. Oh my gosh. Well, you know what? I think it's time to put a bow on episode 100. Yeah. Hey guys, we did it everyone. 100 episodes. Yeah, we did it everyone. 100 episodes. Some people might say it's a time for looking back. No way. We're looking ahead and we're just getting started. Well, I think we can officially say this, and I'm sure you uh, have noticed it by this point, the, the viewer. Number one, we have a new logo. Mm-hmm. I upgraded the TV. And it looks a lot better. It doesn't look oh, like... Oh, it totally, it totally looks a lot better. But also, Greg, he's working to get all 100 episodes, or actually probably over 100, on YouTube. That's right, folks. We officially have a YouTube channel. Yay! Which means you're going to get to see our fa- which means you're going to get to see one of our faces at the beginning of every episode saying, "Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe." Well, actually it's just a picture of the logo. Okay, that's cool too. Uh, that's cool too. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to get one 100 episodes and I'm also going to try to get every Place to Be Nation pop cut up there two mm-hmm. and speaking of the place to be nation pop cut this week the one that came out on october 7th there is a little bonus that we included on the uh on these uh snl domanian season episode yes i i also included a couple of easter eggs i'm gonna consider the snl like 80 thing because it's probably already up at this point I'm releasing 97, 98, 99, one batch. Oh, Greg, from a couple weeks ago, little do you know what's to come. This is all on its own, baby. Because for the 100th episode of Point Speed Asian Pop, yeah. This is a big one. This is a big this is, one. This is a really big one. And you and know what? We're not sharing this with Chameleon, so. No, we're not. No, we're not. Not deserving. But next week. Yes. Uh, one is sort of timely given what's going on. Yeah. So as always... Don't forget the website, www.itwasathingontv.com. 100 prior episodes, plus two live episodes, two mini episodes, uh, the, the pilot episode zero. So don't forget to uh, like and subscribe and rate and review. And you better give us five stars because Chico's going to come to your house if you yep. don't. And before we sign off, I, I just want to say, we want to thank the people at Boys to Be Nation Pop. I want to thank three people in particular before we sign off. Todd Weber who did a good job getting the first 59 episodes up. He was an MVP on that sh- on the edits when uh, we first got on there. Uh, Jennifer Smith, an, an amazingly talented podcaster. Listen to her Jenny position feed. It's amazing. And uh, Andy Afferton at Place to Be Pop. So I want to thank those three people before we sign off. Absolutely. Thanks to all three of you for your support. And of course, don't forget to share because sharing is caring. And we got a hundred shareable episodes now, so plenty of stuff to listen to. Can you believe that we got to start focusing on episode number two hundred? Oh gosh, we may have That's... to revisit uh, Match Game Hollywood Squares again. Oh my God, we ha- we'd have to do a third revisit for the final 
couple of months. Hey, no, we'll I find a better one. Final revisit for the for the last batch of episodes. I don't know. No, uh, no, Greg will find uh, an episode worthy of of being two hundred. Oh, because uh, oh, there's so many topics to cover, and we haven't even gotten to the worst of it yet. We're not even. We're we're almost to two thousand submissions, baby. Yeah, so we're like five percent the way there, and submissions keep on coming every day. Oh yeah. But as always, after 100 episodes, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We'll be back next week with the start of the second 100 episodes of It Was a Thing on TV. Row! Hello there. Hey. Let's get acquainted. Tell us about you, please. I'm from Littleton, Colorado. Littleton, Colorado. And I've been living in Southern California for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You like it here? I love it. You're going to stay? Mm-hmm. For a while. <laughs> a lot of snow in Littleton right now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Do you do anything to keep your body and soul together? I run. You do? That helps? Mm-hmm. You eat once in a while? Mm-hmm. Good. I eat a lot. <laughs> All right. Now, Katie, you've got to dollars. Now it's time for the head-to-head match with any star of your choosing. And after you've made your decision, that star will reveal the hidden number. It'll be a 10, a 20, and there's 130 up there. We'll multiply the $1,000 by whatever number is revealed. Okay, time now to make your pick. John, please. All right, John, grab the tab again, give it a yank, and we'll see if it's going to be a big 3-0. It's a 10. You're playing for $10,000. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Okay, good luck to you. $10,000 here. All you have to do is match John. Blank nail. N-A-I-L. Blank nail. Okay, John's ready to collect the $10,000. You have to match him. What do you say to this? Fingernail. Fingernail? Okay. Okay, John. She says fingernail will match you for the big money of ten thousand bucks. Have you got it? He's got it. Congratulations, Katie. We'll be back with you right after this.